Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Always in Pursuit podcast. Uh, my name is Aaron, and uh, this is Pastor Mark. Hey, hey. We are a two-man podcast today. Uh, Megan is out, and we could not coerce or convince anyone else to join us. <laughs> we um, tried Bobby. Tried Lauren. We did. Didn't work out. Yeah. Um, so we're here. Uh, if you are checking us out for the first time, or you know, maybe you just randomly found us, that's totally great. Uh, but we are Pursuit Community Church. We're the staff, and um, we do this podcast as a supplement to what we talk about on the weekends. So it's kind of you know maybe debriefing the sermon a little bit more, diving deeper into uh, the pastor's notes, and talking about some of those other things that maybe didn't get covered on Sundays. Uh, we also periodically talk about a lot of different things and uh, many different rabbit holes, rabbit trails that we go down. <laughs> um, so yeah, and also I'll just, we usually say this at like at the end of the podcast, but I'll throw this in there right now. Uh, we love your guys' ideas. And so if there's any comments, questions, uh, you can throw those in the comment section. However, you're checking this out right now. You can also email us at office at pursuitcommunity.church and uh, get in contact with us that way. You can also just talk to us on like a Sunday when you see us at church, um, share anything you want. Uh, but we'd love to interact with you all as well. So Mark, we are... This was week three of our Encounters with Jesus series, and uh, you taught, and we were in the story of Jesus thinning the crowds. Yeah, not yeah. the greatest church growth strategy <laughs> right. that the world has ever seen. <laughs> right. um, yeah, definitely somebody who came out of a church that was pretty hardcore after church right. growth by any means necessary yeah like uh, there's too many people here let's get rid of them said no church anywhere seriously <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's exactly what jesus does yeah um but you can see that below the surface there's uh a really good reason for it yes yeah yeah so so yeah so uh, we're in this section of john chapter six where jesus is basically teaching on being the bread of life this is just after he does the miracle feeding the five thousand. yeah and um by the way, that like doesn't always come across the 5,000, like it was 5,000 men. Mm -hmm. So the amount of men, women, and children would have been, I mean, I, three times as much is like a conservative estimate. Right. Right. You have to think like, these are like, <laughs> you know, the families that we have in our church, that are like six kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like every, every couple months, it's like, oh, so-and-so just had another baby. Oh, is that like number seven? You know, right. like, yeah. um, th these were like, I mean. Yeah. Back then you would have a lot of kids to help you with simple, simple math. Yeah. Right. Like doing farm chores and stuff. Sure. So thousands, like yeah. thousands, thousands. So it was the most amazing uh, moment there where all these people were like, whoa, this mm -hmm. is something special is going on here. And so there was like overnight an addition of thousands and thousands of uh, disciples mm -hmm. and I maybe air quote disciples. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so. So why do you think those people were all following? <laughs> that's a you're a weirdo yeah uh, <laughs> no but i mean it's just like from you know this like if it were today like if i'm going to be you know uh what's what's the word what's the word i'm looking for if i'm going to be like um cynical mm -hmm. today this would be like oh that church there's a movement at that church like thousands of people like mm -hmm. like you, you should uh juxtapose this against the thousands of people who come on pentecost Pentecost is 3,000 people, mm -hmm. and this is like whatever, let's call it three times as many, um, you know, because we really don't know the full amount. But um, what's crazy is that 
you have one where you're you've got people basically joining up to follow Jesus because of literally the bread. Like mm-hmm. literally he feeds everyone in that moment. They're like, great, if we keep following Jesus, he'll keep providing us with food. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum where the 3,000 that get added in, in Acts is like, those are real disciples. This is not necessarily real disciples. We see it because Jesus teaches something hard and they all just run. Right. So you can see that they're after something. They're after using Jesus to get the thing that they want, being the vending machine. Yeah. You know, I put the, <laughs> I said in my sermon, put the quarter in. I mean, it's not like 1920. You can't get anything out of a vending machine for a quarter, but I put the change in. <laughs> I pushed the button. You swiped your credit card. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then out comes the thing that I want. And I think a lot of people treat God that way. Yeah. They start kicking the machine if it's not giving them the thing that they want, yeah. you know, and they throw a temper tantrum and it's like, but that's not what a relationship with God looks like. Yeah. And if you find yourself in a situation where you're trying to get something from God that, you know, he doesn't want to give you or he wants something else for you, you know, it's like you're the, you know, fat kid trying to eat the cupcakes and he's trying to give you the trail mix, you know, or whatever, <laughs> like he's taking care of you. This, this is a great illustration. It just keeps going yeah. on and yeah. on. And on. Gotcha. But, but yeah, like I think a lot of people do look at God in that way. And Jesus would rather thin the crowd, yeah, like d- divide the real disciples from the not real disciples. You know, this was another thing I didn't put in the sermon, but I I fully believe this. You know, there's been a decline in the church over the past, whatever, let's call it a decade, and people get alarmed, like, hey, the church is you know, um, has declined by ten percent a year, twenty percent or whatever, and they look at these numbers, there used to be this many Christians and now there's this many Christians. And part of me understands the like, the fear around that and thinking right. that things yeah. are whatever. But part of me also thinks that I think just a lot more people are more honest about where they're at. Yeah. That like we've shed disciples that weren't really disciples. Yeah. That they're people that are <laughs> disciples in name only. <laughs> yeah. Dinos. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a real thing? Dinos? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe for like a Democrat in name only. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Because I know rhinos. That's another one. Right. Yeah. But like to me, it's like, you know, I'm okay with that de- decline if it means that we're still doing the same work reaching new people, but that we're losing people that really aren't disciples. Like, mm-hmm. I do think just people are more honest about where they're at and they don't feign religion. They don't go through the motions of doing religion when they realize, like, it doesn't really give them a benefit or any kind of, like, extra, you know, in, in society, it's not looked at as, like, that's a really right yeah. good, good thing anymore. Like, yeah. it's like you do whatever you want. Everyone has respect for each other. Right. So yeah, the decline of the church... And often feels like the thinning of the disciples to me. Right. And I think like, you know, we kind of had this conversation last week and we started having it. Um, but essentially, you know, the pandemic has kind of accelerated that process of thinning the the church that we like, not pursue, but like, you know, capital C church, the big church. It's been this thinning of the church in general, of Christianity in general. There's a lot of people that have fallen away from their faith or maybe just they still think they have it like personally still have it, but they're not acting. They're not doing anything. They're not attending. They're not whatever. And I think that's kind of the demographic. And it like, it's not up to us to judge whether they are or are not actually a Christian. Like that's between them and God. But from where we sit and view people that we know, or that we used to know, or that we see, like 
it kind of feels like that. It kind of feels like this thing in the crowd because of COVID and because of some of these other things that have happened too. Uh, one of the aspects of this story that I really appreciate is, you know, you think about the time and place of when this was all happening. Jesus is like, he's, uh, he's really like gathering momentum. I mean, literally gathering his team of disciples, his followers. And it's not like, obviously not like today, there was no Facebook campaign. Like there's no algorithm to like put Jesus's material in front of like people at the time. <laughs> this is all like the momentum he's gathering is all spreading through like oral tradition. Like people telling these stories, passing them on to their neighbors, their friends, right. people down the street. That's where all of those five to 15,000 people are coming from. Right. They're coming because they've heard like some pretty miraculous, crazy things and they want to see it firsthand. Yep. And so they show up and they're like, Oh, free food. It's great. <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of like a concert or like an event. Like, this is really great. I, I can be a part of this. Right. Right. Um, and so it just kind of gives this like uh, for me, it's always given me this like more uh, rich impression of of what that actually meant. It wasn't just the hard lesson. It's like think about each of those individual 15, to, you know, five to 15,000 people that were there. And for them to each in their own way kind of go, ooh, I don't know about right. that. I, that's not what I heard. Uh, thanks for the bread. <laughs> Peace. Like, so interesting. Such an interesting story. And I think like you're saying, and you said this on Sunday, like there's so many correlations between like that group of people and a lot of people now. But if you continue reading, you realize like that message isn't so much for those 15,000 people. It's for the disciples. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's both, because yeah. uh, you know I was thinking about this too. Like, so we're talking about the decline of the church and then, like the thinning of these disciples. You know, one of the other reasons why the, the church is declining now is not just because uh, I think like I don't know, what to call them fake disciples, but like not real disciples are kind of falling off, but also because people aren't as actively going weekly to church anymore. They're going monthly or every other week if they're right. Like, I think like a pretty committed Christian is going to be there like two or three times in a month. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. a whole different deal. Yeah. So like not only, so for adding up the people, like it's twice as many people going half as much and there's disciples that have fallen off. Like, I don't, I don't worry about the church's momentum. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people point to. Um, I was having this conversation a couple of weeks ago about finances and we coming out of April, we hit 99.18% of what he had budgeted for the year. Mm -hmm. And we we're pretty aggressive budgeting. And, you know, the beginning of our year is we go from September one to August 31. So beginning part of our year, we we're still struggling with COVID, you know, there's still like lack of people coming. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so we're averaging once we kind of came out of COVID and kind of came out of um, Easter, we were, we're averaging like 120, 130 people on a weekend. That's basically what we've been averaging the past like two months or so. Um, and it's like, but the amount of people who give to our church is like a hundred people more. Right. Like, yeah. So I can look at yeah. the amount of people that give to the church and the amount of people that show up at church. We yeah. have tons of people that um, come or that yeah. give and don't even come. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just a weird I do think the the COVID thing, a lot of people were like, yeah, I kind of like, I kind of like brunch, you know, I kind of like, you know, oh, my kid's got a sniffle, might as well stay home. Like there is a different. kind of like sleeping in. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I do think though, but, but when you're in that situation and you're kind of like loosely connected, not really all in, then when you 
run into a hard teaching, you do one of two things. You like either just sort of ignore that or you, you lean in or you lean out, you start moving away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. Like some of the teachings that Jesus in the Bible espouse, espouse, like some of the things that were taught, like they don't line up with our culture's norms. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, well, what am I going to do about this? And you're kind of put to a decision about if you're going to be a real disciple or if you're going to be someone who's just there for what you get out of Jesus. And um, it just doesn't really do you any good to tack Jesus on like a part of Jesus onto your, your viewpoints and norms, your, your, your your culture, your values, your whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, we want to just tack Jesus on and have him be like a, you know, an extra piece. And it's like nowadays, like people don't even do that. They just, yeah, just say I'm out. I'm just yeah. not gonna do this anymore. Do you feel like one of the implications, especially like on, like the church side of this story, is that collectively we have just not done a great job of making disciples before crucible moments. <laughs> like, it feels like collectively we've just fallen into some of these patterns of uh, what some people call it consumer Christianity. Some people call it like seeker sensitive, attractive ministry. But just to, I'm, I'm being yep. very general here. Yep. Um, it feels like it's a commodity, it, yeah. Right. If we had done just a little bit better of a job of like helping people understand what it actually means to be a disciple before like a pandemic or before, mm-hmm. you know, the housing boom in 2008, like maybe we wouldn't have lost so many people when there's a hard lesson or something like that. Like, I actually think it's, I mean, yes. Like, does the church do a good enough job at creating disciples? No, it can do better. Yeah. But also, I think this goes back to a conversation that we've been having for a long time. It's that you're that idea of being catechized by the things that you mm-hmm. are most into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just the amount of content in the world is so huge. You know, uh, we were just talking about a friend that um, that I have that is like a legit flat earther, mm-hmm. like legit. And it's like, you couldn't have done that 10 years ago. Now that you have access to YouTube videos and podcasts and, you know, like now, now you have something that you can like arm yourself with and go and like start a conversation with people and like fight, fight for flat earth, you know, Mm -hmm. which I obviously 100% agree with like flat earth is for sure biblical. I really hope that whoever's <laughs> listening to this is also watching the video of your face right now. No, I don't think that person will be listening to this. Right. But but <laughs> it's it's just funny to think like there's so much content out there that like I think most people are being catechized by something. They're listening to sports podcasts. They're listening to, right. you know, they're watching YouTube videos on like certain things. They're like, I don't even think like people are like watching popular television anymore, especially not on time. Right. I mean, there's so many different like, politics is one of those realms like even like down to like the makeup and hair products like organic culture like does it have to be organic like diy culture is another one where like you're just making things and working on your house none of these things are necessarily bad but like if you're letting them disciple you more than the bible or right and and i'm not even like telling you that you've got to like give those things up hey man you need the more of the bible in your life like it's probably true like people just aren't as serious about their faith uh they're just consuming other things that are forming them 
And so as far as discipleship goes, they're not really growing in the, in what it means to be a disciple. They're right. kind of stuck in that immature version. You know, Paul talks about like, hey, I, you guys are like, I can't even give you meat. Like I have to continue to feed yeah. you milk because you're not even mature enough to understand. And that was like before there was like any electronics. <laughs> like, what in the world? And now it's like we're catechizing ourselves every day with other things. Right. And Jesus is on the back burner until Sunday. Yeah. And then maybe for three hours, he's on the front burner. And then we go home and we continue to catechize ourselves with all these other things. And like, yeah, you're not going to be a mature disciple if that's what you do. Right. I So I, th I think I kind of like realized this in a very real way. This is probably like 10 years ago or so, but I was working at church and it was a Sunday morning and I remember, I can't remember who I was with. I probably was with just with Jess or something and we were talking and I was looking for like a family, like who had kids in the youth group and they weren't there that Sunday. And then I kind of started like in my head thinking like how long it had been since I'd seen them. And it had been like weeks, like maybe a month. I'm not sure. And I remember thinking like, you know, I grew up in a church and uh, you know, this is now all like 25 plus years in the river mirror. So who knows how accurate these memories are, but like, uh, <laughs> I had this moment where I was like, man, the church I grew up in, like, like you just expected everyone to be there pretty much every week. Right. Like if someone wasn't there, it's because they were sick or they were on vacation. Or they're backslidden. <laughs> they're a backslider. Or right. <laughs> it was a big deal if like there was like multiple weeks in a row, of, like, oh my gosh, did did the Johnsons leave? Yeah. Right. Are they gone? Like a different <laughs> church? Like it's a big deal. And now, like, kind of to what you're saying, what we're this conversation is about is you know, it is not odd to not see someone for like two or three months. Weeks. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just a short little disclaimer, we get it. People are busy work jobs, vacations, illnesses. We're not necessarily judging you. We're being very general. Mark is judging you really hard. I have, that was for the people watching. Get oh, gotcha. Here. Don't tell them yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I am the pastor of empathy here. We needed to hire one because <laughs> It's great. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, look, we get it. Sure. But fight for that. Yeah. Like, I feel like people don't fight for it. It's like, if everything's perfect, then we'll be there. Yeah. And it, it's, that's just not the way. Like, yeah, I've got kids. They get sick. We've got vacations. Like we do things. Yeah. But like our family, we 100% agree and know that like, come you know 10 o'clock on sunday morning we're there we're mm -hmm. there we're doing it yeah. we're there yeah we're there every chance we right. get now i know i'm the pastor so like you know it is part of my job description as well so i get it you're probably like rolling your eyes at me right now but <laughs> i just wish people would fight for this more right you know it just feels like oh yeah you know we just you know we, so and so's got a sniffle and we can't it's right. like great okay so one parent stays home with that kid and the rest of the family goes right you know, like they're like, nope, nobody can go. Uh, yeah. Nope, you can't go. Like, no, I feel like people are looking for ways to, you know, not. Right. As opposed to being. Right. And by the way, church is not the end all be all of discipleship. I would be just as excited if someone was like, you know, I really need to find a way to have the Bible in my every day. Yeah. Whether I'm listening to it, reading it, interacting with it, listening to a podcast, listening to a. Sure. Checking out a YouTube video, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like if we were catechizing ourselves, if you're like wondering what that word means, just like forming our identity, mm -hmm. like if we we're forming our identity around the Bible and around Jesus's teachings more frequently then we wouldn't be immature disciples. 
it's interesting because like i'm building the like the dlt the uh boy that means nothing to anyone the is that a sandwich what is the, that? the directional leadership <laughs> team that we have you know essentially our version of an elder board okay and <clears throat> um i've got a list of people i've been thinking about praying about like who we're going to invite into this board and mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of people that just are not mature enough to qualify they're just consistent in our church they've got servant heart um they're great but they just don't qualify to be on a leadership team. They're not no. mature enough. You think like after three years in church, like you'd be mature enough. Like you think right. after 10 years, 20 years of being a Christian, you'd be mature enough. But I just don't think people are taking their discipleship very seriously. You mm-hmm. know, they're la- allowing other things to form who they are. I One thing I always have wished about this story specifically is like, you know, Jesus gives the lesson and it just says like people like a lot of followers left. I wish it would have like highlighted like one who was like, Hey, I'll stay <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> to like maybe show like what that process looked like or sure. what they were thinking or their lines of questions or things like that. But it in- instantly goes to like Jesus talking to the disciples and it's not even the disciples being like, Hey, can- tell us more about this lesson. They're more like, dude, what are you doing? Like you just scared everyone away. Like, I don't know. I just, I think, it's it's like so many things. Yeah, 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Yeah. Um, and then Jesus says to his disciples, um, you do not want to leave too, do you? <laughs> Almost like he was goading them into <laughs> no, I was I was as I read this, I always think like he was almost disappointed that so many people left. Yeah. Not that not that he wasn't okay with those people leaving, but almost disappointed that that's what they chose. Almost like he drew a line in the sand and he was hoping more people would like yes. come across. Yes. I mean, was... I can't I I mean, I can't step back and say he didn't know what he was doing and they didn't understand what was going to happen, but it's almost like it was still like kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. And then he's kind of to them like you guys going to go too? Yeah. yeah. You know? And it's like <laughs> more people should have seen that he has the words of life as as uh, peter says here in this next section like mm-hmm. he is worth following he does have the only thing you're looking for you mm-hmm. know like there's only one way to find the thing you're looking for and it's through him like i think the disciples knew that and they were almost bummed out when they answered the question is like are you guys gonna go too and they're like where would we go <laughs> where are we gonna go we've seen you do the craziest stuff we can't leave right like we know that or they're just losers and they really don't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> no, they've seen him do banana. Like he walked out on the water of their boat just before this section. Right. Yeah. And they were like, okay, well, if I was on the fence, I'm not on it anymore. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, so it, it does feel like when there's a point where it comes where it's like, okay, I'm all in with Jesus, no matter what he asked me to do, no matter what the teaching is, no yeah. matter, no matter what. And I'll, figure it out so even if it means that like there's a hard teaching that i don't necessarily like line up with i'm going to find a way to be obedient and follow christ even when his teachings come into contrast with my values that i've picked up over you know through our culture or through my personal decisions on what i'm going to do that those things will if they come into contrast i will follow christ yeah even though yeah you know yeah i kind of just wish it would have talked about that part of it because yeah I, I think like another and then, another and then ed decided to stay anyways so <laughs> <it's> like, 
<laughs> yeah, like, I'll eat his body. Ricardo's. You <laughs> still there? <laughs> I mean, I was hoping for bread, but I guess I'll eat his flesh. You know, yeah. like <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Are we cooking this or what? Got to eat it raw. I don't like sushi. <laughs> oh my goodness. He, he's like, oh wait, you weren't actually being literal. <laughs> oh, up. Cool. It, is, it is really funny. We talked about still this here <laughs> this morning, like how all these characters seem to be taking everything literal. Like it's yeah. really funny. Like. <laughs> Like first century Jews are terrible with sarcasm. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And we'll see that. We're this talking week. about Nicodemus. Uh, yeah. yeah, on Sunday. Like, yeah. What am I supposed to do? Climb back up in mother's womb? How am I supposed to be born again? That's just not possible. Right. Jesus, Jesus is like, like uh, dude, chill. I'm not sarcasm, like, yeah. bro. Sarcasm. Right. You know, I, I also think too, like maybe this story in general is, I think, very counter, uh, like, the identity that a lot of people have of Jesus, who's like, he'll leave the 99 to go fight for the one, to go find the one. And it's like, uh, actually in this story, he's like, get out of here five to 15,000. I'm cool with these. Sure. 66. Like, yeah. you know, cause it almost feels like Jesus should be like, you know, he's on the mic, giving the hard lesson. And then he kind of like pulls this side. He's like, actually guys, just wait. It gets better. Like, don't, don't leave. I still want you here. Right. He doesn't say that. Like, so interesting too that just to think that like with all of the grace and and love that god and jesus have for humanity and he's willing to sacrifice everything like he's not going to go chase after you like he right. still presents you through free will with a choice to, right. to follow or not and so that in and of itself is a real hard lesson too yeah <laughs> to embrace. It's, it's a challenge because like you know here's what i worry about a little bit it's like i think there are people out there that say yeah i'm a disciple like i am mm -hmm. and then you know like they're presented with a hard teaching or they're presented with you know jesus calling them to something and they make a decision not to do that thing or not to do the next thing or the next thing and there's just like slippery slope towards being very far away from jesus but like still thinking that you're you know honoring and following christ and to me, it's like he makes it such a strong, like commitment level and such strong words and, you know, kind of puts the decision to them to point out the fact, or at least so they'll know. Because it is very loving for him to point out the idea that, like, you really are not a disciple. Yeah. And we do a disservice to people when we make them feel like a disciple mm -hmm. when they're way out of alignment with who Jesus has called us to be. Like sometimes you have to call that out and sometimes you have to put somebody to a decision and you have to make them understand that like they aren't really following Jesus. Yeah. They're just going through the motions of some sort of religious system. Right. Or they're just trying to, I don't know. I don't know why people will go to church if they're not following Christ because it's some sort of nostalgic thing from their youth or they're like trying to honor their, you know, parents or grandparents or, you know, it's just something that brings them comfort in some way. Like, but, but like there is a, a rubber meets the road moment where it's like, are you going to do what Christ has called you to do? Or, or are you going to do what you want? Like that makes you the disciple that is not what Jesus is right, looking for. Right. And this is such a youth ministry thing too that I'm about to say. But like you know, <laughs> my youth ministry heart is like, you know, when I was in student ministry, I would start interacting with most of my students like at some point in junior high, you know. And then I, if I was lucky, I get to see them all the way through. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of like your hope as a youth leader, as a youth worker is you're like, man, I just hope that like something sticks. Like right. I hope they, they get it. There's some sort of a heart change, something 
that carries them into adulthood and then they have some sort of a lasting faith that comes out of that somehow i'm not responsible for it but that's my hope and my dream right part of me is like thinking about this group of people that five to fifteen thousand i'm like man did jesus like pull the trigger too early like if they were able to stay with them for like another week maybe would half of them been like hey it's a tough lesson but i'm so cool like i'll stay like mm-hmm. oh it's just so tough it's like these are the questions i have where i'm like man when i get to heaven like i want to sit and talk with jesus for a little bit and be like so why <laughs> like i mean we know why like he didn't want to create a movement we know all of these things now hindsight but i just think like if they would have even had like one more person that would have stayed and been a disciple or been like someone to carry that torch after jesus died and like gone you know resurrected and ascended to heaven like i don't know i just think about these things all the time like god's got all of it and he's got a plan and we're not in control of it we're just like workers doing the best we can you know well but, it does say many of his disciples turned back yeah and no longer followed him i think the rest of them probably stayed put where they lived mm-hmm they didn't follow him around but it doesn't mean they stopped following him right so like when forrest gump is like done running he's like i think i'll go home now it's kind of like that (laughs) (laughs) you sure i can barely remember forrest gump uh so this part where he's like running across country yeah you know after jenny breaks his heart and then like as he's running all these people start following him so like by the time he decides he's done running he's got like a group of like hundreds and hundreds of people following him and so like and they like, don't really know why they're following no him. they're just yeah, running because right. it's a thing and then why he, are and, you doing this oh no yeah <laughs> i like running yeah. <laughs> yeah and then like and then he's like i think i'll go home now and then like you hear one guy in like the background go like now what are we gonna do like <laughs> is it that is I, it kind of like that no i just think there were probably some disciples that continue to follow him but yeah they just followed him in galilee like they just followed yeah. him in the region that he was in right so um yeah capernaum uh it was i it's not like the most devastating thing in the world it's also not like those people couldn't continue to teach about jesus and continue to encourage people to follow jesus right. like you know god's got a plan and that was part of it and jesus yeah. knows what they were thinking there's a moment where he responds and like he sees them grumbling and he's like hey you know like i know what you're talking about like yeah. i ain't i know dummy can you imagine that like one of them like after this goes home and they're like greg where have you been like it's been weeks and he's like yeah i found this dude i thought he was pretty cool but then he told me to like eat him yeah it turns, <laughs> so, turns out turns out it was cannibalism <laughs> yeah I know. jokes on me pulled back the curtain and i was supposed to be a cannibal. Well, glad you're home yeah good to be back <laughs> so, um so yeah so to me the the issue of discipleship is there and you know then there's the the famous sort of lesson that he's teaching them is that he's the bread of life yeah and we talked about the idea of life that there's different words for life there's bios like which is gives us the word biology and biodome i made my poly shore reference oh my gosh you were speaking to my heart like (laughs) poly shore is such a big part of my (laughs) adolescence Only people about 40 right. are like in understand Man? what we're talking about. In Man? in the army now? Yeah. Come on. Like a 34-year-old is going, what is what who are they talking about? <laughs> They're probably getting Polly Shore and Carrot Top mixed up in their head. You oh, know? I, I hope not. <laughs> so is Polly Shore still alive? Yeah, oh. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, right? I've, it's been a while. Um oh man. So the idea that like bios means life, but that's not the word that Jesus was using. He was using the word Zoe. Yeah. Um, or Zoe, you know, if we, that's be the way that we use it for a name. Um, and then Zoe is like this quality of life, mm-hmm. this type of life. And, you know, this correlates perfectly with John 10, 10, I believe it's John 10, 10, um, where Jesus basically is like, 
um, <clears throat> I came so that you could have life and life to the full. Like I wanted you to, I want you to have like the fullest possible life, not just like any life. I want you to have the life that's meaningful and, you know, is incredible. And I'm not here just to make sure you exist. I'm here to give you purpose, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, that's also the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come to you have life, life to the full, right? I'm, I'm trying to find it. Sorry. I mean, it's off the top of my head, but yeah. pretty sure I'm right. So, and then I, I was, one thing I didn't make it into the sermon was just this idea that like, I think a lot of people chase after spoiled bread. They chase after a form of Zoe, but it's not really Zoe, mm -hmm. you know? And like, there's a ton of things that could sort of fall into that category, you know, like at the end of the day, are you really chasing like your career or success in the workplace, or are you chasing money? Mm -hmm. or are you chasing status? Or are you chasing your sort of validating your own existence through your children? Uh, you're chasing the American dream, um, health. Uh, that's all that you care about is like health and wealth, and you know, just yeah. having like no bad things in your life at all. Um, I do think there's a lot of people that will chase after spoiled bread, and it was it was interesting. I was listening to somebody talk about this at one point, and they were like, you know, we could have a a bunch of people at a church stand up and give a testimony about how Jesus has changed their life and how the Holy Spirit has changed their life. But, um, you know, we could also have a bunch of people get up and talk about how they chased after, you know, success or money or sex or, you know, power or again, validation through your children or the American dream. And they would tell you that it was rotten that like when they finally got what they were looking for or got close to what they were looking for, that it didn't, it didn't satisfy. Yeah. And this is the idea that Jesus gives us. There's one type of bread that satisfies. That's it. Yeah. It's the life that he wants us to live. It's the Zoe. Mm -hmm. So 1010 says, John 1010, the thief, thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Right. Yeah. And that's then one of the I am statements. This mm -hmm. was I am the bread of life. That's the I am. They could do a whole sermon series on just those seven I am's. It'd be like a seven week. Right. It'd be cool. Yeah. But so this idea. Coming of, in 2024. <laughs> yes, yeah, not, not 2023. Yeah. I think we're pretty planned out there. But mm -hmm. um, so to me, it's there is a conversation about are you chasing after the real like bread mm -hmm. of life, the real Zoe, or some sort of spoiled version of bread? Mm -hmm. It's not going to satisfy it's not going to get you where you want to go you know and uh i didn't necessarily have time to ask that question or like dive into that deep enough because mm -hmm. i think i was around 40 and it's just like you know i could keep throwing stuff into the sermon but we're just going to keep getting longer right so yeah i think it's hard though for i'm sure you've known people like this i've known people you know individuals and families couples where they have reached some sort of success you know, not just financially or career wise, but they have, they have the dream house, you know, they, they have the lifestyle they want or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and some of those people, they have a really hard time like reconciling, like I, I love Jesus, you know, but there's other, this other big part of my life that requires a lot of my time, a lot of my attention, like can't help, but be catechized by that thing. Yep. And yet I still love God. It's a big part of my life too. I've always like just felt bad for people that experience that tension. That's really tough. You know? And if you're like, I don't know if I have these idols in my life or I don't know if I'm chasing after spoiled bread, then my question is always the same. Show me your calendar and show me your checkbook. 
mm-hmm. like you spend the time on the things that matter the most to you you spend the money on the things that matter the most to you mm-hmm. this is why you know i i then i'm probably being catechized by fast food and coffee <laughs> that's probably well i had this conversation with like this other pastor and he was like yeah you know we're having some financial troubles and he's like He's like, I just need one really wealthy person to come to our church. To which I said, no, wealthy people are always the least uh, generous people. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, often wealthy people, what they give is significantly lower than a lot of very generous people in your church. Because to be honest with you, they, they're trying to serve money and Jesus at the same time. Right. And to give a percentage that like a normal blue collar person would give who's very generous would be so much money that it would be like a ridiculous thing in their head. Um, And so percentage wise, they're like very not generous compared to what a lot of people. So like if you would talk Mm -hmm. to them about a tithe, it'd be like crazy. Like you make a million bucks a year and you're like, yeah, you know, maybe Jesus is calling you to tithe. They'd be like a hundred thousand dollars. Like, but that's, but there are tons of people who make 50 grand a year who give $5,000 to the church. Yeah. Like they tithe. So like, I do think that, you know, show me your checkbook, show me your, mm-hmm. you know, your time, your time, your calendar. And I can tell you what your idols are. It's mm-hmm. pretty easy. You know, you spend your time doing this, you spend your money doing that. And it's like, where does God fit into this equation? You know, it's pretty easy to see what is the priority or the idol mm-hmm. in that, in that person's life. And that's well, not a fun thing to, preach <laughs> right it's yeah. like people get real squirmy they yeah. all of a sudden got to go to the bathroom and yeah. <laughs> I need, need to take a walk my back's starting to hurt you know like right so and then i just the last thing i thought was kind of interesting is that like we just need to be careful we've talked about this quite a bit but like church growth it's not always up and to the right you know there are plenty of pastors who would uh take a moment like adding that many people to their following you know to their movement. Mm-hmm. God, look what God's doing. You know, we got 15,000 people coming now. We got to find a way to keep feeding these people. You know, we got to find a way to, and there's churches out there. There's one particularly in our area. That's like, they give away free stuff all the time just to get people to come try their church out. It's like free state fair ticket.com free canes meal for the youth group, you know, <laughs> yeah. dot com, like free, you know, free Chick-fil-A sandwich.com free, you know, whatever. And it's like, if you start that way, then you have to continue down that path. If you start with, let me see if I can create a situation where the masses want to show up for a thing that I can give them. Then that's what discipleship looks like in the future. You got to keep giving people stuff. You got to keep yeah. uh, going above and beyond whatever the last thing you did was. Yeah. A hundred thousand Easter eggs, <laughs> you know, like there was one church I know of um, they did like, they gave away seven flat screen TVs on uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. I was like, "Why seven? Like, it's like a biblical bim- number? Yeah, yeah, biblical number. Like, that's the, that's the number of completion." I was like, "Guys, this is ridiculous. Like, you guys are it's the number of TVs." Got and, on and they went right? around like Publishers Clearinghouse, <laughs> and they like knocked yeah. on people's doors on Super Bowl Sunday and like handed out like seventy inch TVs to the people who had won. Right. Yeah. Which, by the way, have you heard that Publishers Clearinghouse uh, might be like a Mandela effect kind of thing that like. Who's the guy from Publishers Clearinghouse? Um, Ed McMahon. Yeah. That like he never showed up at anyone's house with a big check and like told them that they won. Like he, it, even though we have this memory of Ed McMahon going, by the way, 35 year olds are like, what is he talking about? Yeah. Um, 
that it might be a Mandel effect thing that he actually never went and gave out big checks at anyone's house. Was he the spokesperson for it though? Uh, yeah. So like, it's a weird Mandela effect thing where you have a memory of huh. Ed McMahon holding a giant check on someone's porch and it turns out it was never him, you know, hmm. anyways. So, so we should call it like gospel <laughs> clearing house. Is that what we yeah, should, right. yeah. well, that's what they do with these TVs. They I show know. people's yeah. house like you want to, you want a TV. You know, and it's like I'll be a Christian for a TV. Yeah, or like you know, we we are sort of Oprah Oprah izing our churches, like, and you get a thing, and you get a thing, yeah. and look under your seat, there's a thing. Yeah, and it's like, okay, you know, that doesn't create disciples. No, it. I mean, almost never creates the disciples that Jesus wants. Yeah. So like, it's great that Jesus took care of a felt need, a physical need, but like, we know this in teaching that there's a hierarchy of needs, and if you don't feed someone who's hungry they're not going to listen to what you have to say so jesus takes care of physical need and then teaches them and some of them are there the next day just to get that physical need cared for again but missing out on the yeah what's the point of this whole thing um so like sometimes the movement that you begin is begun in a way that creates false disciples and doesn't really lead where you want to go and yeah. there will be plenty of churches that would be like great we're going to take advantage of this we're going to yeah. try to get notoriety from it mm-hmm. And Jesus makes it real clear that filling your church with false disciples is not the way to go. Right. Maybe the hope is, is that like for those people that were with Jesus and then were thinned and went home, the Greg's of the world, you know, <laughs> Ed, the Todd's, uh, <laughs> the ancient Hebrew the Todd, uh, maybe like just being there and being fed, planted a seed maybe and maybe at some point in the future they came back or reinteracted with their faith or something maybe who knows yeah like yeah i'm not endorsing the tv idea in any way shape or form i think that that cheapens i think the gospel in such a way that well why why would you even if you get a a free tv why would you even want to go back we come out of the youth ministry world with this like bait and switch thing was happening all the time Oh, totally. Like, you'd be like, come to Pizza. our <laughs> And then it's like, okay, now sit down and hear about Jesus. And yeah. it's like, wait, you just said it was going to be a fun evening. Like, you didn't tell me there was some sort of like, yeah. well, you're coming to a church. What did you think it was going to be? I thought we were just going to the water park in right. America. So like, I was always really clear about my like, <laughs> yeah. my, my like messaging. Yeah. I was like, hey, come, we got bounce houses. We're doing this all nighter yeah. thing. We're going to go bowling and there's going to be a message about Jesus. Like, just tell people, just right. make it clear. And, you know, then also it's like, it's okay if not everybody stays and joins your youth ministry again you're trying to add the right kind of disciples over time right so you're giving them an option you're hoping that they decide to join and be part of it right but that movement to take advantage of all those extra people that's Mm -hmm. not what jesus did he didn't go great we got 15 let's keep going until we get to 50 and there wasn't like articles published about him like fastest growing you know rabbi (laughs) like 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 can you see this in the church world like happening yes like it would be like the biggest thing I, f- I follow some of those churches on Instagram and I hear about it all the time. Uh, yep. And I cringe. It makes me sad. Yeah. So the church growth strategy is like, it's got to be the right time for something like that. Like it does happen in Acts mm-hmm. and it is overwhelming and it is a movement. And it does start something where 3,000 people are added to their number in a day. And it gives them all kinds of problems that they have to solve and a lot of issues that they've got to overcome. But that's doing it in the right way. Yeah. Like that's a movement of God in that moment that is at the right time. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, and so I guess just no understanding like what created these disciples and are they real disciples is what you have to think about when you're thinking about these, 
church growth kind of situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, I pray that our church continues to grow. I would even be overwhelmed if it grew significantly at one time over like a short mm-hmm. period. I would definitely be interested in solving the problems that come along with that. But also that is not the end all be all. No. And I want to make sure we are creating the right kinds of disciples, not just having people who are there for whatever. Right. And I think one of the temptations here is just to villainize growth. Like if any growth is happening, that's a bad thing. Right. Run away from that. That's not the case. I mean, you just said this, but it's like if we were, if pursuit were to grow by 10% over the next year, that'd be great. Be It'd be great, great because that, that means more people who are hearing the gospel. It means more people who are embracing the mission in, uh, of Jesus and carrying that into the world, into their worlds, their workplaces, their families, their extended families, their friendships, their relationships. It also means like, you know, if more people give, then there's more resources to do more things. But at the same time, it's like, I think the trap that a lot of, a lot of churches have fallen into in some way is growth becomes the thing right or it gets elevated to a point where maybe it's just below jesus and it's like up to the right right and that's and that doesn't do any good you know no growth does not automatically equal good right it, it can equal actually also it's bad think about this uh, that first church in acts there's three thousand people added to their number those three thousand people a lot of them are from out of town they go home kind of take jesus with them wherever they go wherever they're going back home the church then mm-hmm. goes through a short time and then it's persecuted and spread out throughout the whole way. So like even the church growth strategy in that moment does not lead to up and to the right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like it's up and down and up and down. Like it's, we're being persecuted. We're okay. We're being persecuted. We're okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, that's how it goes. Like that's the, you know, what it means to be a disciple. There's a lot happening that you are continuing to ride out and figure out and work on. Yeah. I just think like if you're somebody who's like, well, bumped into something i don't love about jesus i'm out then you weren't the disciple that you know jesus intended yeah or that he that he wants yeah yeah well any other thoughts no that's pretty much what i had i I had some notes written down i'm sure this would have been a way better podcast if megan was here to it would have been infinitely better yeah i'm (laughs) serious (laughs) (laughs) we're boring (laughs) or we we make we all these two refer- side tracks. We make all these references that, that no one knows. knows about. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Uh, because we're pastors and because we're old. That's <laughs> the truth. Well, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we always appreciate the audience. And um, we are planning on being back next week. Um, got a great message this Sunday talking about Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot of great things coming up here soon. So, um, like we said the, at the top, Check us out. If you have any questions, comments, anything you want us to spend time talking about, uh, let us know. We'd love to dive into those things as well. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, we love you guys and hope you have a great week. All right. Take it easy. See ya.